Welcome to Mystical Musings, February 15th, 2015, here in the Library of Colorado Heights University, beaming out from the highest place in the Mile High City with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian, non-denominational, non-doctrinaire, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America today. Thank you for joining us for creating our community of mystics, people finding unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics who know beyond the intellect spiritual apprehension of truths. I am because we are. I am because we are one celebrating body and spirit. If you would let your hands rest on each knee or thigh and just noticing your hands for a moment, maybe with your eyes at half mast or closed, so you enhance the sense perception and diminish the visual just a little bit. And with your non-dominant hand, letting yourself slowly open your hand and close your hand, slowly, gently, opening and receiving, and closing and holding, and then letting go. We are slowly going deeper into our mystic practice, deeper and closer with the Creator, with Source, with God, with the beloved, especially when praying, meditating, connecting ourselves heart to great heart in a beautiful intimacy with the beloved. We're moving together from feeling the transcendence of divine presence to the feeling of imminence of spirit. Metaphysically, this involves thinking about the beloved not as a being, but as being itself. Embodied being focuses on deeper, continuous breathing and skillful micro movements. We live in a world that is made up entirely of divine being. This includes us and everything, 
and everything is us. We know on a deeply emotional level our oneness with all that is. Let us explore together some ways of coming closer to creation, some ways of coming closer to ourselves by investigating God without God, love, presence, letting go. We are not talking about atheism here as the title is not without God, but rather God without God, a koan of sorts, a Zen puzzle, like the sound of one hand clapping. So what are we talking about? God without God, noticing inwardly what happens when you contemplate this riddle. Can you feel your brain stretching? And so it is in this contemplative stretching that we begin. God without God. These are just words in my paper, words being spoken, concepts being bandied. What about beyond concept? What remains, what remains but feeling with the possibility of realization, the grace of insight beyond understanding? The book, Religion Without God, was inspired by remarks Einstein made that if religion consists of awe toward mysteries which manifest themselves in the highest wisdom and the most radiant beauty and which our dull faculties can comprehend only in the most primitive forms, then he, Einstein, was a religious person. To grok God without God, we must open a portal. Do you remember grok? came out of Stranger in a Strange Land, one of the great science fiction books of all time, and then it made its way throughout our culture, and it's now in the, the dictionaries, standard dictionaries now have the verb to grok, and it means to understand so thoroughly that the observer becomes part of the observed, merging, blending, even intermarrying. It means almost everything that we mean by religion, philosophy, and science. And it means as little to us because of our earthling assumptions as color means to a blind person. To grok God without God, we must open a portal beyond concept, beyond belief, through feeling into insight, emerging in the realm of realization into deep presence. The highest function of our physical body is for consciously anchoring presence, our authentic beingness in the world, that is to say, the experience of God without God. God without God is love, is presence, and our way towards such realization is letting go of our pretenses, letting go of our cerebral addiction, letting go of our stories, is letting go of our habits of shutting down our breathing, our breathing, our access to spirit, is letting go of habitual postural collapses, slouching, is letting go of our tightened jaws, our staring eyes, our tense bellies, Ongoing letting go as a practice is surrender into the embrace of embodied spirit in this present moment. 
And so we begin. We begin with our breath. Our incarnate function of embodied spirit, particularly with our exhale, our inherent, built-in, automatic biological mechanism for letting go. But rather than be automatic, let's be conscious and cultivate an awareness while exploring as an embodied prayer, letting go through each exhale right now. While exhaling, we notice the letting go of the inhaled air, but, but what else? While exhaling, intentionally letting go of our jaw, softening what can often be the clenching of teeth, letting go of any frustration or anger you may feel. with each exhalation diminishing any tension around our eyes. And if you can't consciously let go, then slightly tense the area in question, and then on the exhale, let go. As you're slightly tensing your eyes and exhaling, letting go and softening the eyes. With each exhale, letting go of anything you're seeing in your life that you don't want to see. Exhaling while intentionally letting go of the pursed lips, the furrowed brow, as if breathing right through them. Letting go of any fears, any sadnesses, any griefs. Remembering the Aramaic translation of blessed are the meek is blessed are those who soften the rigidity within. Blessed are the gentle. Exhaling and softening any rigidities anywhere in our body. Using the conscious exhale to release whatever physically, mentally, emotionally we're holding on to. Anything that we're holding on to in our hearts, letting go with each exhale. In our bellies, in our hands, our feet. Feeling and letting go with each exhale of any fears, angers, griefs. Softening our rigidities and inherent, inheriting the intrinsic abundance of nature, God without God, love and presence. Happy Valentine's Day, happy day of love, weekend of love, namaste. We have so many new faces here with us today, it's exciting. Uh, I thought I would just spend a couple of minutes telling you a little bit about what our community does and does not do. The community here is really one that is open to personal relationship to the divine and usually has some felt experience of that or wants to have a felt experience of that. So that's why we call it mystical. We call it musings because that's just what it is. We're just thinking about a topic. This topic always arises out of our lives and what's being told us from our inner guides and what we're perceiving 
as a couple living a mystical life. So it's not a matter of learning as you would in a class. It's not important to us that you have more information to deal with. What's important to us is that our hearts open together and that we have a larger life and that a, a life of more depth and more beauty and wonder and joy. That's what we're here to promote and we do it with the cooperation of all of you here. So everyone together here um, creates a field that is extraordinary. And it's a field of love and curiosity and wonder at all that is. So you, you do not need to take notes because they'll be out of date by the next musing. <laughs> because this is what happens, because spirit is always moving and evolution is always happening. So we move away from what might have been helpful, you know, 10 years ago or two years ago or two months ago into what, what's available to us now. What is available from the Creator? What's available from the Godhead for us right now? And how we, can we tap into that to enrich our lives and enrich the lives of everyone around us? So you're coming to be with us even for the first time, many of you for the first time, deeply enriches our experience together. So thank you for coming and of course, welcome always to our stalwarts. They're so happy to have you here. One of the things that we do here is we spend some time in silence. And the silence often usually comes after some music, some improvised music. And then you're invited just to sit in silence as long as you want to. So just sketching out what we do, and I think I'll play the piano instead of saying anything more.
Thank you, Myron. Improvisation doesn't quite cover it. It uh, is a channeling out of the field that we're all creating that channels through Myron in this moment, unique to this moment. It's uh, an improvisation that has taken 70 years to create, uh, and it is always, for me, magical each time I listen. Thank you. In these dark times on the planet, Mystical Musings looks for and finds the light inside the dark, often in very unexpected places. But first, from the great and very dear Clarissa Pincola Estes. My friends, do not lose heart. We were made for these times. In any dark time, there is a tendency to veer toward fainting over how much is wrong and unmended in the world. Do not focus on that. There is a tendency to fall into being weakened by dwelling on what is outside your reach, by what, you, by what cannot yet be. Do not focus there. That is spending the wind without raising the sails. We are needed that is all we can know. And though we meet resistance, we more so will meet great souls who will hail us, love us, and guide us, and we will know them when they appear. We look each month for evidence of potential mass positive transformation. We recently received an email from one of our musers telling us about a most unexpected mass potential transformation in the world of gaming online. Full disclosure, I am not a gamer. I am a contemplative, a suburban, suburban mystic, an embodied learning mentor, partner with my beloved men, Myron, a gardener, but not a gamer. However, I am blown away with what I am finding out about how group gaming mind and mass collaborative effort can accomplish tasks. Just a little backstory. Annual Hollywood revenues are about $14 billion. Annual online gaming revenues are $140 billion. So what happens in the gaming world, even though it seems ephemeral, can be of profound significance, and hence this month's candidate for incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. A college student created a small online experiment to see how group mind and cooperation looks. He really only meant to include a small sample of participants. He set up a game that multiple people could play together as teammates. What started as a small class project has somehow, without original intention, grown into a worldwide phenomenon with up to 100,000 people participating. Everyone can make moves, unseen by others. They can chat with each other, but we are, not talking about people from, uh, we are talking about people from all over the globe, most who do not have a common language. So actual communication is quite limited. There is something happening where all these disconnected people are actually able to coordinate and beat the game sometimes in a very quick turnaround. 
One fun story is that the group mind was trying to beat the game boss at one point with one very basic, almost crippled character, a little bird that can only blow air with its wings and hop. And yet, even with these apparent obstacles, the group mind was able to succeed. After that, the group adopted a new name for this little character, and they called it Bird Jesus. <laughs> Recently, someone official tried to create control parameters in the game to funnel group actions, and there was a mass worldwide rebellion. Apparently, everyone playing, all 100,000 revolted against the changes, and all started simply pressing start nine times in a row, effectively stopping the game in its tracks, and they had to pull out the new controls within 24 hours. It is being called the Nine Start Rebellion. <laughs> wow, a very interesting example of Aquarian mind and a clear demonstration of our interconnected nature. And what is really fascinating is, is that these are gamers all over the world, not advanced meditators or people attempting conscious connection. Truly, a lovely mass cohesion story. With our friend and helper Sven pointing me to a remarkable blog, let's go deeper into the extraordinary potency of gamification, a word I didn't even know existed <laughs> until I started looking at this. By 2010, for 15 years, many of the world's top scientists have been trying to decipher a particular structure of an AIDS-causing virus, but could not solve it. Fortunately, the University of Washington's Center for Game Science created an online puzzle video game that allows people from all over the world to play and compete with one another trying to solve this problem. With over 240,000 people all over the world playing, to everyone's shock, a solution was found in 10 days. Hmm, scientists working for 15 years, gamers for 10 days. Wow, wow. Next example of gaming potential for mass transformation. Doctors need children with cancer to keep a pain journal. But usually kids are too tired to journal and record data only occasionally, making their entries useless. A clever gaming company created a role-playing cop game with missions and rewards and encouragement, providing for the doctors all the data they needed and made children excited and able to fight their pains with purpose, helping humanity defeat cancer. Next example of gaming potency. There are studies that show that activity rates of children have decreased recently by 60%. One game allows kids to upload their activity data, get points, accomplish interesting challenges and earn badges, resulting in an activity increase rate of 60%. And that's zero, but hey, it's incipient, it's just beginning. <laughs> Gamification has also been part of the remarkable Khan Academy, an online school with millions of people learning in new ways, including gaming as part of the curricula of this wildly proliferating transformative platform. Another, Crowdrise is a platform that gamifies charity. Crowdrise has attracted 33 million players who have raised 
hundreds of millions of dollars for nonprofits all over the world. In addition, games are being used to help address the problem of world hunger. Free Rice created a game where each time you answered a question correctly, Free Rice buys 10 grains of rice paid for by the sponsors of the site. Users improve their education, hungry people get fed, and sponsors get their promotional bang. The site has been given to the United Nations World Food Program and has to date donated 6,100 metric tons of rice consisting of 93 billion grains, enough to feed 10 million people. Dozens of such synergistic games are being created each and every month, helping society in amazing wildcard, unexpected ways. And so, for this month's incipient evidence for mass positive transformation, I submit to you, coming from a most unexpected realm, the world of online gaming. Shalom, Christ be with you. Assalamu alaikum. Adu, adios, aloha. We honor the place in you wherein the entire universe dwells. We honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light, and of peace. As you are in that place in you, and we are in that place in us, in this e present eternal moment, we are one. Namaste. On our spiritual path, there are times when there is a moment of transformation or the opportunity for transformation, not just greater learning, not just some expansion, but a huge expansion, a large opportunity given us by grace to change in a profound way. We found this in the late 60s and early 70s, where so much divine revelation was happening. And we found it in 2012 on the winter solstice, which was another, another absolute moment of grace and connection. And we are at another moment in which we can transform and it takes much less energy, much less knowledge, much less theology than some of the former transformations that have happened. So to give you some background, the last musing, we talked about opening portal, portals to the divine by saying, I want to open a portal to the, to the divine. And then going out in adoration to the divine and then feeling the beloved love us back. It's really transformed my meditation. Also calling that which is the being itself calling that 
the beloved and knowing that you're beloved has really transformed also my prayers and meditations. Because honestly, I don't care who you are, how much you've meditated or prayed, it doesn't matter. You can open your heart and open that portal to the beloved and then feel that love come back to you and feel how treasured and known you are. And the wonderful thing about this technique which we introduced which was introduced to us and we introduced to you last month of naming the deity, the beloved, is that you can do it all throughout the day. And anytime there is a moment or a hiccup where you need a little something, you can just open that portal. It's that easy. It doesn't mean you have to sit for hours in order to do it. It happens immediately when you request it. So I found myself this month doing that practice a lot. And it's very reassuring. Now that practice has led to another practice that is, for me, transformational. And it's based on the notion that God is being itself. The beloved is being itself, not a separate being. When we talk about the separate being, there's distance and there's separation, and it's not the truth. We're not separated from God. We're not separated from anyone. That's the illusion. We are one with everything that is. And the, a quote that I found uh, from Ramtha really helped me on my retreat when I had this feeling of transformation that I know anyone can have. But this is what Ramtha says. Who is the unknown God? It is me and the birds in their night nest the frost on the reeds, the morning dawn and the evening sky. It is the sun and the moon, children and their laughter, alabaster knees and running water and the smell of garlic and leather and brass. It is what is. We live in a sea of being, of being itself, and we're coming out of that same being. It is our essence. It's who we are. And we all share it. No one does not have the being itself. And in my opinion, no one is not looking for deeper connection with that. I don't mean if, it, if you're a criminal or whatever. We're always looking for a deeper connection with the divine. If we think money is going to be helpful and you're wanting money, it's really what you're wanting is the divine presence in your life. When we get down to it, that's the only thing our hearts long for. We want to know that presence in us. We want to feel that presence because it washes over us and makes us feel so complete and so amazing. So, such a sense of belonging, such a sense of celebration that everything belongs and everyone belongs and we're all being blessed 
So on the retreat I had a couple of weeks ago, I was practicing addressing the beloved. And the retreat is at a beautiful place in nature. And so I found myself looking at the trees and feeling my love for the tree and then feeling the tree's love for me. And it was very real. It wasn't philosophical. It was a real heartfelt experience, a real perception, felt perception. So the idea that God is being is a very old one. Thomas Aquinas talked about it. Even in the book of Job, let me read this quote from Job because it is really beautiful. And this was, you know, 5,000 years ago. So in the seventh chapter of Job, he says, if you would learn more, ask the cattle. Seek information from the air. Seek information from the birds of the air. The creeping things of earth will give you lessons. And the fishes of the sea will tell you all. There's not a single creature that does not know that everything is God. God holds in power the soul of every living being and the breath of every human being. So God as being, again, is not a new concept. But this time, what was, what was different for me in perceiving the atmosphere in which we live, perceiving everything as a dance in being. Being is the ocean and we are each the waves. So that's another metaphor that means a lot to me, but I had actual experiences because in this beautiful place in nature, when I opened my heart to trees, to water, to stone, to the sun, to the stars, to the moon, I felt such oneness and such a sense of belonging that it was completely relaxing for me. You know, it seems to me that we live, most of us live or have lived, have lived with a kind of sense of anxiety, right? That underlies everything, not outright fear, but just some anxiety, background anxiety. And I think that really comes from our sense of this belief, which is we're not good enough, or we're doing it wrong, or there's something wrong with me. That belief and that anxiety that comes out of that are relieved by this transformation, honestly. And so I went around hiking, climbing, being in, in beautiful hot springs, driving South Park in what I knew, what I felt was my wor- world. It's like, I'm creating all of this. And, and it was easy for me to be one with the tree because the tree was me and it was like no different, right? There's no different. Everything loves everything. 
basically. Now, we don't realize that so much, but it is true. And again, that more I practice that and felt my oneness and let come back to me that sense of blessing from that, because it, it, I noticed there was that fear, that anxiety going away. And I noticed that belief not making any sense. It doesn't make any sense to think that I'm not doing it right because we're all doing it together and we're all doing it exactly the right way. Exactly the right way. So that right, right way, again, is realizing the oneness of all being and the divinity of that and the blessing that is in there. And it, again, is a practice. In order to have the transformative event happen, again, transformation is you become a different person. So if you don't have that background anxiety and you don't have that belief that there's something wrong with me, you're a different person. But it's a felt perception. It's not an idea. It's something that is felt in the heart. And it changes everything. So I watched over the, cor uh, uh, the course of nine days in this retreat how it was so easy for me to let go of worrying, of planning, of in any way feeling that I was in this by myself or that I was different from anyone. In this, in this place I go and retreat, about half the people come on who are spiritual people and come on retreats and the others come for the waters. And often when you're sharing a large pond with other people, you have the people who are the spiritual people at, at one side and the people who are, you know, the sense people, sensual people on the other. And uh, yeah, invariably that happens, except it didn't happen this time. We talked openly about spiritual matters. We were talking primarily about looking at this beautiful place and being overwhelmed with gratitude. Absolutely overwhelmed. And we were talking excitedly. And then there were the people who were just there for the waters and they started coming over and it didn't make any difference. They, they had no spiritual realization that they were aware of. It didn't make any difference. And I saw the old crowd, the old spiritual crowd, inviting to dinner the people who were not going to talk about anything except their stories. But there was something so beautiful about it. And, and so there was such innocence in those people, such an openness. So we were able to let go that boundary, that false boundary, which is a part of this transformation. There is no one who is not transforming the way you are. There is no one who doesn't want to live in his or her heart. There's no one who doesn't want to bathe in the divine presence. So imagining, just walking around, hiking, sitting in the ponds, and so on, that I'm doing that in being itself, 
And as Martin Heidegger said in the last century, he said, uh, he called uh, God being itself. And he said, we are all just standing out in being. We're all just waves on the ocean. But each of us is a particular wave and that particular wave is needed. The whole world would be different if it weren't for our individuality and for every individual. We need every individual as they are, as she or he is. We need that. We are needed. We are not separate. And the variety of people is also extremely exciting. So I can look at you and feel my oneness with you, but I'll also look at you and see how beautiful you are and what a gift you bring to the world and to us. So this is what we mean by moving from God as a being to God as being itself or the beloved itself and living in that and knowing it all the time. There is something so reassuring about that, that it is awesome. So the practice is, your homework is, go talk to trees. <laughs> Look in the eyes of your pet. Go put your hand on a boulder. Open a portal to the boulder and you will be surprised because it will love you back. Honestly. So that's how I'm practicing this, as well as sitting and just opening myself up to the gifts of the divine. So lying down and saying, okay, I just want to be bathed in the beloved's light. Standing up and saying, I just want to walk in the light of the beloved. I want to lie down and I want to have all of that just come around me when I go to bed. And it's transformative and it makes us a new person. And that's very exciting to me. And I'm so happy to share it with you. Namaste.
this point in our musing, we like to offer an embodied prayer following the ancients and the Aramaic tradition of what they called body prayers. And so as you listen, if you would listen through your heart with your breath, not just with your ears and your head, just listening with a slightly deeper breath, slightly fuller, as if the breathing was happening through your heart. And what follows is a mystic mash of the presence process, Walt Whitman, the Gospel of John, and Rumi. By habitually dwelling in a mental state which allows us to project our attention into an illusory past or future, we miss out on the authentic physical and emotional experience that's happening right now. We are all but oblivious to the only moment that contains all the vibrancy of life, this present moment, here, now, in this. Be melting snow. Wash yourself of yourself. If anything is sacred, the human body is sacred. These pains you feel, they are messengers. Listen to them. Love is from the intimate. Love is from the infinite and will remain until eternity. The seeker of love escapes the chains of birth and death. This we have now is not imagination. This is not grief or joy, not a judging state or an elation or sadness. Those come and go. This is that which doesn't come and go. This is presence. Not Christian or Jew or Muslim, not Hindu, Buddhist, Sufi or Zen. Not any religion or cultural system. I am not from the East or the West. Not out of the ocean or up from the ground. Not natural or ethereal. Not composed of elements at all. I do not exist am not an entity in this world or the next, did not descend from Adam and Eve or any origin story. My place is placeless, a trace of the traceless, neither body or soul. I belong to the beloved, have seen the two worlds as one, and that one call to and know, first, last, outer, inner, only that breath-breathing human being. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in them. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
Your hand opens and closes, opens and closes. If it were always a fist or always stretched open, you would be paralyzed. Your deepest presence is in every small contracting and expanding. The two as beautifully balanced and coordinated as birds' wings. God turns you from one feeling to another and teaches you by means of opposites so that you will have two wings to fly, not one. I will be waiting here for your silence to break, for your soul to shake, for your love to wake. Stop the words now, open the window in the center of your chest and let the spirits fly in and fly out. Namaste. Namaste.